This show is brought to you by the guys at bullbitcoin.com. If you're in Canada and you want to buy Bitcoin, this is the place to do it. Bull Bitcoin is a non-custodial exchange, which means when you make the purchase order, you input a receive address. So as soon as the Bitcoin is bought, it goes directly to your own self-custody. Speaking of which, if you need a little help with that, if you're not super confident about your self-custody or your security setup, the same guys operate bitcoinsupport.com where they have a variety of choices and packages available to choose from to help make sure that you get your Bitcoin self-custody arrangement set up securely, but also in a manner that you're going to be comfortable interacting with. Whether you choose to get some help with it or you choose to go to loan, the cold card Bitcoin hardware wallet by CoinKite is an excellent and trusted tool to have in your Bitcoin self-custody toolkit. This is the primary choice for the guys at bitcoinsupport.com. It's a primary choice for a lot of experienced Bitcoiners. They have an excellent brand and name and track record in the space. And they recently dropped the MK4 version of the cold card hardware wallet. With this version, you have a USB-C connector. You have NFC tap for all data types, PSBT, address, etc. You have a dual secure element. You have a USB virtual disk mode and lots of other fun stuff and features that, of course, we've all come to expect from the team at Coldcard and CoinKite. Visit CoinKite.com to learn more. And of course, check out all the other awesome products they have for helping you engage with your Bitcoin more securely and also having a bit of fun while you're at it. Anyways, that's it. Enjoy the show. Let's do it. All right, we're good. Yeah, Greg, I feel like, uh, you know, once I have that one, I usually allow myself like a alcoholic beverage, typically a beer on nights that I feel like drinking. And once I have it, my brain and energy levels kind of go to mush. So, but I mean, I, I hate to have you drink alone. So I might have to get one out of the fridge here. No forcing you, man. No forcing you. <laughs> well, gents, it's uh, great to see you again so soon. It was awesome to see you guys at the conference. Uh, I guess it was over two weeks ago now. Time flies. Um, but it was incredible. Uh, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on what the experience was like for you. I'll share mine afterwards. But I'm sure you guys uh, had a very rich experience and, you know, ton of great people and all that jazz. So, Jeff, why don't you uh, get us kicked off? Yeah, yeah. similar to last year, that uh, is, except for bigger. It's just, it's, it's hard to believe how mainstream this is going. And uh, I'll tell you, one of the highlights, John, was actually meeting your dad. But, uh, um, but well, that but, was a highlight for him, too. And now, okay, and now it's back. <laughs> that was a fat finger. Sorry. Um, but but no, I just as this goes mainstream, and as 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 so many people in this community, so many great people in this community, how, how many great thinkers there are in this community. And I'm not talking just the people on stage. I'm talking the plebs and the people that you're meeting every day. It's just just such a wild ride. I just actually pinch myself that. I get to be a part of it. It's so, so much fun. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's one of the things that he reflected on was, uh, you know, my dad had been orange pilled for a while and he, he very much gets the economic and the monetary case, but he hasn't seen the kind of emerging cultural case, you know, Jeff, as you've been talking about a lot lately, when you have misinformation or distortion in the information of the monetary layer, then that bubbles up into so many different aspects of the culture. And, you know, this is why in Bitcoin, you know, we, we, we use the moniker fiat as a you know pejorative in, in so many cases, right? And he never really, he's never experienced what that emerging culture based on a, a more pristine information layer at the bottom looks like. And to bring him to something like the Bitcoin conference where 
there's no greater expression condensed all in one place than what's then that emerging phenomenon. It was super cool to get him to see the, you know, I, I'll broadly say the quality of people, right? And he reflected to me, you know, after the beefsteak, you know, uh, one of the events prior to the conference was like, I just can't believe how sincere, polite, humble, intelligent, enthusiastic, hopeful, energetic, ambitious <laughs> people are. And it's like so consistent. So that's, what, it, by the way, that's uh, my wife and kids came as, as well. And they, they didn't last year. And, and, and my wife, my wife came away with the exact same feeling. Like just, she said, there isn't a person I met that didn't exhibit that type of issue. She, she was, it was, it was, it was, it, uh, she didn't expect to go in and see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a big giant love fest, really. You know, there's so much gratitude and there's hugs going on every, you know, everywhere you turn, it's uh, it's something to behold, you know? And I, 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 I offered my mom, you know, I told her I would take her if she wanted to go and, and she declined and my dad accepted. And after seeing the pictures and hearing the stories and all that kind of stuff, I get a message from her like halfway through. She was like, if you're going next year, I'll, I'll come, you know, if, uh, if the offer is still on the table. So that would be really cool if, if both of them came next year. Preston, what was it like for you? Um, the sheer size this, this year was kind of mind blowing. Um, I think the thing that really sticks out is, is a little bit with jet with, with Jeff said is the quality in, in the ethical character of the people that are there. Um, is something that you kind of have to see for yourself and, um, just the rallying behind, uh, the, the really fundamental purpose of what this is all solving, I think was the, the thing that is intoxicating and, and really difficult for people to see without being there. Um, there was another thing that, uh, the Peter Thiel, uh, speech particularly one of the slides at the Peter Thiel speech, I found very interesting as just kind of a finance person. Um, he put up this slide that showed the, uh, the, the global market cap of equities in the 1980s and then compared it to the market cap of gold in the 1980s. Both were $2.5 trillion. So all the gold in the world was capitalized at $2.5 trillion. All the equities on the planet were 2.5 trillion. Wow. They were at parity of each other. And then he had a, uh, you know, right next to that was what's the comparison today. And today the comparison is gold is 12 trillion and the global equity market is 115 trillion in 2022 for, you know, effectively a 10 X difference. And so I, th that slide for me was something I had never seen before. Um, that, that is not context that I had necessarily put on that. And I think what he's, what he's getting at is, are we going to see, um, are we going to see Bitcoin basically make a run? I, I think what he was implicitly putting out there was is Bitcoin kind of make a run to, to put itself back at parity with, uh, equities. It was just a, it was a very interesting chart. It's something that I've thought a lot about and I'm, I'm still trying to, to figure out what what was actually being said there, but you know, I'm, you know, I'd love for people to hit me up on Twitter or, or whatever to start a, a conversation even after this on that particular slide, which I found fascinating. Yeah, no, I think I, I'd be interested in knowing interpretations of exactly what you all or what, you know, broader people listening and, uh, and that listen to that talk, think about 
what that means. I mean, I'm sure we could all venture a guess, but um, yeah, very just on its face, it's a very interesting slide to know that those two things are were equal back then and they're so divergent now. And there's lots of macro stuff that I do want to talk about on the, you know, tonight with you guys, but I'll, I'll hand it over to Foss first for conference impressions. Sure. Was yeah, your, no, I, go ahead. You were, you went to the one last year, right? Foss? I was there. Yeah. Well, you hosted us on stage. So I missed it. I missed being you, uh, you know, being with you guys on the, on the stage um, this year. Right. But oh, uh, first right. of all, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that, uh, you know, I did meet your dad as well. And he was, uh, he was pretty proud of you, John. Uh, that, that's nice to see, you know, he was uh, gushing with pride and then he's a genuine human. There's no question about that. The apple doesn't fall from the tree. So uh, I appreciate that. Solid, solid New Newfoundland family values. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so what hit me most of all for, yeah, the sheer size of it, man, it blew me away. Uh, kudos to the Bitcoin magazine guys for, you know, they came out and said they, uh, they laid down 30 million bucks, right. To get this thing down. Yeah. Uh, I that's, saw that's that. Some, that's some big cojones right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jeff and I were, were, were at a presentation uh, on the Tuesday night, and it was hosted by uh, David. And I'm drawing a blank on his last name. Um, the, the Bailey? President of Bit yeah, David Bailey, president of Bitcoin ma Magazine. And but but I didn't know who he was. And uh, we're standing there and we're talking beside each other. And then I go back and sit down. And this guy's dropping bombs, knowledge bombs about what's going to go on in the Bitcoin on the, in the conference. And I'm like, this guy's got some serious inside information. Who the heck is this? Jeff looks at me, he goes, hey, knucklehead, that's David Bailey, man. That's the guy that's running this whole thing. And he was so nonchalant, just standing there up beside me, <laughs> talking to his clients, you know. So that's what, what strikes me is, uh, you know, no ego, man. This is cool. And my chance to shout out the new uh, name of Preston in uh, Jeff's new fund, Ego Death, right? So no ego, no ego at uh, the Bitcoin conference. And that includes the four guys that I was on stage with that, uh, you know, I won't go into detail, but these guys, you know, there's some big shooters, right? Ricardo Salinas, uh, Orlando Bravo, Marcelo Clore, and uh, Dan Tapiero. I mean, I joked, I didn't have the guts to say this, the, the joke on stage, but I wanted to check the seat cushions after they were sitting down. I wanted to see what fell out of their pockets. I could have probably been uh, written pretty well off after that, uh, that little, uh, little episode. I, but I kind of have a hard time believing you didn't have the guts to say something up on stage. You said, <laughs> you said quite a lot. Well, you know what? It was, uh, Jeff gave me the good one. Uh, he, he said, yeah, use the math, use the math. They passed grade 11 math. So that was kudos <laughs> to Jeff for giving me that little uh, tidbit. But you, hey, kill, you killed it on stage. Yeah. That was one of my favorite it. segments because I too. And, and well, I don't because, know if you, I don't know if you heard me say it when, when you were leaving the stage and I went on afterwards to set up the other one or say we'll be back soon okay. or something. But I said, you know, next year we got to get a full slot just for Foss to get up here oh and, you know, do his thing. Well, thank you guys. I mean, I'll tell you what, I was nervous as heck. Right. And then, uh, I have never really watched myself. Uh, uh, it, yeah, you know, I never watch even after we were to have podcasts. I'm like, okay, I say what I say. I'm, I'm cool with it. But this one I actually did watch and more than once because I was actually so nervous that I would fumble the ball in front of these four guys that, and you know what? They were so Ricardo Salinas is almost like he was Preston Pish and me, eh, uh, Preston. I'm not sure if you saw what he said, but he said, who the heck would own a bond? The best thing that could happen is you get your money back. Like, you know, I'm like, this guy is golden, you know? So yeah. anyway, it was a, it was a blast. It went quickly. 
man, did I ever meet a lot of cool people. Uh, hanging out with Larry Lapard, Lawrence Lapard is an absolute gas. All right. That guy is a wealth of friggin' knowledge and he is so classic. He's like, okay, I made my mind up. I'm in. Like, okay, <laughs> Larry, look, like, like you're, 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 I love your, uh, he, he's just a, a character, man. So, uh, yeah. Um, and, and here's the neat thing. And, and, you know, it still is sort of white male dominated, but it's really changing. Like, met some really cool, uh ladies and obviously but uh, just you know people from various other nations and whatnot and it's just becoming global and it's not stopping people it is absolutely accelerating so you know you look at the growth from last year to this year um well that sort of mimics the growth in the in the network as well yeah i think uh salinas had a quip about shit coins too right that I, I don't know who was maybe broadening the scope of things and ricardo set the record straight real quick he also said uh why you know he basically inferred that the u.s though why would you why would you sell bitcoin to get in another shit coin which meant why go back to u.s dollar fiat right like i mean he he had a couple of really good jabs yeah i gotta say you know and i it's not like i want to uh, kiss and tell you know because backstage there's a lot going on and people have their handlers and you know a lot people poking at him and micing him up and stuff like that but I will say I was um, impressed with a few people uh, just basically by their humility, which is probably the character trait that impresses me the most about any person. And uh, for Ricardo and Orlando, I, you know, I don't know them personally. You know, this is not like a a definitive uh, assessment of their character, but just my interactions with them, there, there was so much humility that, you know, they were willing to chat with me and, you know, share their uh, opinion about what's going on, the conference and Bitcoin and listen to mine. And it was, uh, you know, not necessarily expected from people that, uh, you know, deal in the circles that they deal and with the, the scale of things that they deal with and how, how much they guard and manage their time, you know, all that kind of stuff. You kind of expect a little bit of coldness from those people a lot of the time, because, you know, perhaps by virtue of the fact that there's there's so much going on in their life and they, they, they manage their attention very carefully. And just to have, um, you know, had those types of encounters with those guys was, was interesting and somewhat surprising for me. Even, uh, Aaron Rogers, who was on right, uh, right before us. And then, uh, I've never met Michael Saylor before and I met him behind backstage and he's, Hey, Foster. And he gave me a bro, a bro hug, you know, and I'm like, Hey, this is sort of cool. Right. Like Michael Saylor. And then Kathy Wood, who I had met before because she invested alongside me in a, uh, the, the startup company. And I shouldn't say she invested alongside me far be it. She, she was an investor and I happened to fall into the same investment, uh, uh opportunity as she did, uh, uh, three IQ out of Montreal, but she was backstage first time to second time meeting her, but just such a pleasant person. You know, those two were salt of the earth and rocked it right after we were on. So humility guys. I mean, uh, there's not a lot of room for egos because, uh, you know, generally the egos live on wall street and they're walking around in their Fiat clown shoes. hundred percent. And Foss, you know, I saw you a few times outside of the backstage area, right. Uh, in the, just in the outside the conference halls and you were always like in a torrent of activity, like just, you know, running through and people wanted to hug you and get pictures with you and all that kind of stuff. And look, I'm going to, I'll bring up one of the things you said on your thing and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, and we can move on to other things. But, you know, you mentioned that uh, prior to Bitcoin, you know, you were struggling in various ways. And I think the term, you know, you said 
suicide was at least a oh, consideration yeah. uh, by virtue, you know, and it would be interesting to know why that is. And the only, you know, I bring it up for a number of reasons. One, it's been consistently, people reach out to me both in DMs and at conferences like the one that we just had. And once we get into the kind of meat of the conversation, you know, typically, oftentimes they'll go something like, hey, I just want to come up and shake your hand and say thank you because, you know, your content amongst many others has contributed to turning my life around. You know, I was despondent. I was, I couldn't see much hope or light in the world. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't taking care of my relationships. And by virtue of, you know, all the things that Bitcoin represents and helping to reframe one's conception of the future, I now feel differently about it. I'm now motivated. I'm now taking care of myself. I now have something to strive for. I now have a reason to get out of the bed in the morning. And I just wanted to say thank you. And you're like, fucking yeah it's beautiful what isn't it? yeah and, and like and it's not that i don't i can't empathize with that because i can you know i was yeah maybe not to that degree but like there was definitely an aimlessness there was definitely a type of hopelessness because if you have any sort of a sober assessment of how the world works and what's going on absent bitcoin how could you look at it and not be in you know in a state of despair about well how does this get turned around you know how can we write this ship and then bitcoin comes on the scene and you begin to learn more about it and you begin to think hey this actually, this could work, you know, these crazy yeah, kids yeah. might have something here. And then you, you go further down the rabbit hole and it only exacerbates, you know, it only gets bigger. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've got a lot of people. It, yeah. 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 Go for but it. I'm happy to talk about it because, you know, I did live it. Um, it's endemic in my family. Uh, both my mom and dad suffered, uh, uh, from, from various challenges. Um, my dad was anxious. My mom was a, a manic depressive, and uh, I definitely, you know, but everybody has it, right, John? You have you, you, the fight or flight uh, survival instinct is in is engendered in us because that's what helps us, you know, escape the saber tooth tiger. So, having spent uh, thirty years, uh, you know, people said to me, Foster, what do you like about trading? And I used to describe it. Well, you know that feeling you get in your stomach before you have a big sporting event. You're nervous, butterflies on. I had that every single day. And then you got to realize what that'll do to your body. And, and then sometimes it's not just the butterfly. Sometimes it's absolute dis despair because you're sitting on a position that you know there's no one. You, you've got yourself into a hole and there's no out, right? So you go to a movie with your wife on the weekend and try and relax. And she's like, how was the movie? And you're going, uh, I don't remember a, one part of it. I was just thinking about my stupid position at work, you know? And, and so it, 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 I opened up. And I've done it a number of times. And here's a neat thing that happened right after the conference. Uh, a group of guys reached out, including Theo Fleury. As Canadians, both uh, Jeff and John will know who that is. And uh, for listeners, Theo Fleury is a former Canadian hockey player, won the gold uh, Olympic gold medal. Uh, he's very public about his, uh, his mental health uh, challenges. And rightly so, if you look into his history, there's been some uh, horrendous stuff that have happened to him. But, uh, you know, not talking too much about me. Look, I, I open up about it because there have been people that reach out to me too, John, including a lot of younger kids uh, that, that I say, look, man, you know, and when you go and talk to somebody that's a doctor and they're trying to console you, the ho most hollow words that I heard, it's not because they weren't trying. It's, I know how you feel. I'm afraid you don't. Like, I know you want to say that you know how we feel, but you don't, unless you've lived it. So um, the, Theo Fleury and his group have reached out to me. I'm, I'm committed to trying to help anybody that's struggling with these uh, emotions because the statistics are very low. 
you know, they say what one in 10, uh, no, it's probably closer to four in 10 have some symptoms of this, uh, natural. So thanks for pointing it out. Um, I was serious. Bitcoin did help change my life because it gives hope. Um, there's a lot of other things you have to go into, go through as well. But once you have been in that depth and I have everything to live for, I mean, I, I have a beautiful family like Jeff's and, and you guys have met your, your families and stuff, but sometimes you don't feel that right. You're lying in bed and, and, and you're feeling like a bag of hammers and, uh, it's real tough. So I was honest about it. Um, it came out, it certainly wasn't planned. It's really weird. It wasn't planned, but it's nothing that I hide from. So I'm going to give you the little story. I figured out the system. The people that were hanging out uh, with me were people that didn't have the, the whale pass, uh, but they wanted free food. So I was running back and forth to the cafeteria, bringing all <laughs> sorts of free food to all my friends and passing it over the, uh, over the railing. So we had a perfect, uh, the perfect system set up and we were all hanging out there, including Carla and Walker. Have you guys met them? Like those two people, they're called the crypto couple. Oh, those yeah, two yeah, are the yeah. solid, solid people. I've met them in two successive uh, conferences now. I could spend all weekend with those people, man. They are so funny and uh, just salt of the earth. And, and so this is, yeah, hanging out, feeling good. I met Lamar. I met, uh, I saw um, uh, a Bitcoin vegan uh, who is uh, Justin Redrick, who wrote the book he, from, bar, uh, from Bitcoin bars to Bitcoin, I think it is, or Bitcoin to, he, he was in prison and, and he came and turned his life around. So look, people can turn their lives around in various different ways because of Bitcoin. I'm there to support it. Um, most importantly though, I'm there for any kid. You're feeling down, man. You give me a call. I'm, I'm there to talk. It's, uh, it's that important. That's awesome, man. And we all know that you're all heart and it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's amazing to, uh, to be your friend and Appreciate to know that you're available that, to all these people. I mean, just, I guess one last question on that. I don't want to overdo it, sure. but like when you were on stage and it was pretty clear you were, cause I, I remember we, we were in the green room together, right. And you're in the corner kind of going over your notes or whatever. And then I see you on stage and you're there with the Canadian flag thing or whatever it is. And you're ranting and raving. I'm like, I feel like this was not on the cards, you know, like I feel like Greg is just free ball in here. And it was, so it was, yeah, go ahead. When, when, go ahead. when, you know, when you decide, I mean, when you witness yourself having those words come out of your mouth, making that type of uh, not confession, but, you know, admitting yeah, that you had struggled yeah. in that way, like, did it kind of shock you for a second? Be like, Whoa, like where did that come uh, from? Uh, yes and no. I have, I've said it to, way more personal people uh than than the crowd look I, I i try and be personal with the crowd but let's be honest right you know the hardest people to admit it to are your kids and your uh people that you don't want to show weakness but in fact in my opinion perhaps it's not weakness perhaps it is you know i so the, the people that got me through this were my daughters my daughter and my both my boys and my wife i mean there's no way i would have survived without them and I owe it to them, to be honest, that, uh, you know, that this can happen to anybody. So um, I, it didn't surprise me, John. It wasn't planned, I promise you. But then once I said it, I, I'm like, 
okay, that's fine. I've said a lot worse things. Uh, you know, the biggest happiness <laughs> I didn't do, the biggest happiness I didn't do is I didn't really screw up the presentation. And so I'm happy with that. And I think that added to it. There are a number of people that have reached out to me, as I mentioned, including people via tweets, like, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you. It takes a lot of guts. And yeah, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. What took the most guts is looking your kids in the eyes and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sick. I'm going to do everything I can to, uh, to, to get better. But that being said, that takes a lot of time because there's times when you're like, I don't even, I can't get better. I'm not getting better. And, and it's a battle. It took three years for me to, to, to do it. I don't know what the, it's, it's a, a, a bunch of little victories along the way to, to build back up. And then once you find your happy spot, my happy spot is, is believing that I have a, 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 a purpose. I can go back in my life and find things that other people haven't lived. I often say that, look, you know, I'm 58 years old and I've made 35 years worth of mistakes, but that's what I bring to the table is all these mistakes that I'm trying to help people avoid. And I've talked a lot, guys. So uh, here's no, what I know. Don't, don't but here's apologize. what I know, right? I know this for sure. I have met the best people in the last two years that I've become public on the Bitcoin stage for whatever reason. I have met the best people, bar none, that I've ever met in my life. And that's not to belittle any of the other people I've met in my life. That's just, I've never met a group of people in such a short amount of time that share the same that you, that you said at the beginning of your show, right? It just comes down to character. Uh, Jeff and I, Preston and I, John and I, I can, I know that I can call you guys anytime and you can also know that you can call me and then with a, within a, a larger group of people, exactly the same thing. It's weird, but how, how else do you explain it? I'm very spiritual. I'm not religious, but I'm very, very spiritual. Everything happens for a reason. And I believe that my purpose is to try and, for, you know, further this effort to improve the, uh, the world. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And I think many of us feel that to some degree, you know, and that's why, you know, I'm often, I focus, focus so much of my attention and thought and contemplation on how the emergence of this thing and what it represents to each of us in our own minds starts to cause a reframing of perspective around so many different things in our lives. Right. And then by, you know, and then when we stack those up, when we see things a bit more clearly, when we show up a bit more, because we have that sense of purpose or clarity or hope for the future, or, you know, all these things that Bitcoin seems to instill, at least in, to some degree in people or even amplify in people, then you start looking at your life differently. And you start thinking like, you know, I can, fix this and improve that and, and, and stack it all up and make it better and make it better and make it better and build these relationships with other people that are doing the same. And then what kind of, uh, you know, compounding effect does that have on things? And I think the answer is tremendous. I mean, as we've been discussing, you go to a conference like this and you're automatically best friends with like 500 or a thousand or however many people they come up to you and they know you and you don't know them yet, but like within five minutes, you're like, Oh, I know the fuck out of you. Like now we're, we're great friends now. And I mean, it's just so unbelievably beautiful that that's even possible and that we're doing that around a common purpose to bring greater freedom and fairness and truth back into the world for the benefit of ourselves and our families and everybody else. I mean, what greater purpose is there to unite around? And this is the outcome. 
That's why, well, John, I just want to add on one thing that Greg said at that conference about mental health and everything else. And we perceive that no one else is going through it because we're in our heads all the time. So if you, if you look at photos, you always look at photos of yourself. You don't look at everybody else. And you're, you're constantly thinking about how do I matter? How do I matter? How do I matter? When you're in a system, it's just in kind of in the fiat system, if Greg and Bond Trader, imagine coming home every day after that and, and then thinking, okay, this matters. And especially if you start to understand what Greg knows about the whole, whole system, it's hard to feel, it's hard to feel hope in a system like that. Mm-hmm. And that's, and, and, and then there's a lot of people still that don't really understand Bitcoin that are living in a system like that. But we, we tend to think, and, and Bitcoin, once you've gone down the rabbit hole and you understand, why can't people see this? But there's a lot of people still that don't see it. And they're living in that system and they're all reinforced by that system. And, they, and, 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 and it's, it's taxing on them um but again they're showing up in the world that they're that and and in some cases they're being reinforced by a small group of people there or a big group of people that's saying you're doing it all for the right reason and they can't find themselves out of that 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 hole Mm. um so i would just what i learned a very similar thing that greg said is how many people and and you said how many people come up and say you changed my life just by uh, just by that and that it precipitated a change in in how i think about hope precipitated where uh, and, and where i'm going that's how <laughs> how could you not want to do more of that mm. yeah 100% and you know just a final capstone on that i think one of the great benefits of someone like greg coming out and being so open about that is is oftentimes you know, when you're in that state of mind, it can be so very isolating. As you said, Jeff, like you can feel like you're feeling differently than other people are feeling when the reality is, is a lot of people under the surface are feeling something similar to varying degrees and, you know, at different times and for different reasons, all that kind of stuff. But to, to have people come out that you think from the outside are like crushing it, right? Foster boss, you know, 35 years from the trading, macro genius, you know, early in Bitcoin, doing all this great stuff. People love him. And to know that he can both experience such a thing and then come out of it on the back end better, I think is incredibly um, motivating for people to, to, to realize that, you know, they're not a piece of shit. They're just having a difficult time. And if, if, and I think they can gain strength from other people's examples and knowing that other people are going through it too. So I don't want to, uh, but, but, but if you just kind of, it just with that, if we focus on ourselves all the time, yet we compare ourselves to other people that we don't know anything about their world mm-hmm. is the same thing that you said. I was so surprised at Salinas and how he, how he was, what, I, what I'd say is kind of running in kind of those circles um, through YPO or other, most people actually show up like that. Mm. Most people, they don't, they don't show. Um, and most people in their own life are measuring separate. They're looking at their own life and they're so focused on themselves that they don't, they think everybody, they look at somebody else and they go, Oh, wow, that person has everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's this, this reflection that they don't see each other. They don't see kind of the 
the glue, the thing that holds everybody together is exactly the same. Why wouldn't Salinas look like that? Is what kind of the, 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 um, now not everybody, not everybody who's wealthy looks like that with humility. Not everybody that's poor looks like that with humility. Right. And, and it's a, and, and, but, but it's in, I think that that piece is no different at the top or the bottom. It's our perception of difference. Yeah. Because, I would, because we feel because we feel we may feel small we feel like they have something we don't have gratitude for the things we have we we have and we feel like we want the thing somebody else has absolutely i totally agree the one caveat i would say about that is that in the existing fiat system where it can be co-opted and corrupted to varying degrees and that the 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 kind of mo- methods of behavior or the values that allow for its corruption or any corruption really are, are things like dishonesty and, you know, um, desire to uh, control other people and, and things like that. This system actually, in some respects, rewards those attributes, not exclusively. And, you know, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but what's exciting, I think, to all of us is that I think the system and the culture that Bitcoin is fostering and hopefully will continue to foster is one by virtue of the fact that those attributes are not rewarded to the same degree as they currently are, that they will be down-regulated in our individual and collective behaviors. And the things that we're discussing and praising now, like honesty and humility and genuineness and sincerity, these things will be upregulated. And how awesome is that gonna be? You know, And I think the conference is, is emblematic of that beginning to, to happen. Um, Jeff and Preston, I, I think we got to discuss, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, ego and it's down regulation or up regulation or certain attributes that manifest from ego or otherwise, um, ego death capital was an announcement, I think during the conference, right. They come out during uh, just, just, just after, after. Week, just week, after. Week yeah. So tell me about that, how it came about what the, what the goal is, the team, all that stuff. Um, I've Nico and Andy, uh, are, are, are running it. They're the GPs. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a partner too. I'm a GP as well, but, but, but one of the things that I was finding challenging, a challenge of is trying to keep up to all of the exciting projects going on in the space and trying to, um, if you looked at kind of an email every day, I couldn't even keep up to 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 what uh, to what's happening, and 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 a realization that education wasn't enough on Bitcoin. Um, there was on 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 the internet, it wasn't a whole bunch of people teaching TCP/IP. It was it was the products built on top that brought it to billions, and and now Bitcoin opening up kind of. The, the scaling layer through Lightning, Tarot, and, uh, uh, and others opens up an opportunity to to build incredible adoption on a base layer that's uh, uh, on a base layer that can't be changed and is decentralized. And I think it also creates an incredible opportunity for these entrepreneurs that are going to build on top of this and and to drive adoption. Um, and so I was looking for an opportunity to spend, because once you own Bitcoin, when you understand what it does, they think they, 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 okay, I could just hold it and watch the world burn. 
or I could build the bridges to the new world faster. And so one, one of the things, and that's why probably all, everybody on this call spends time giving their time, podcasts and others, to be able to bring more people on to see what that looks like. And, I, and, and this was just an extension. I was looking for a way into spending more of my time in this space, betting on entrepreneurs. And two entrepreneurs came to me with, with a plan and, and a fully baked plan um, and, 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 and tightened it up. And, and how could you not bet on them? And so that's what, that's, that's was the impetus of, of this. Um, Preston joined, Lynn joined, and uh, it's early, but I actually, I've been so blown away by how, f how <laughs> the fund is going to be uh, subscribed. And normally you, when you raise a fund, it takes 12 to 18 months. <laughs> this, this is going to take two weeks. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so, it's so stupid. That how it, big is the have. first fund? Um, is that public? 30, 30, we might upsize it to 50, but, uh, but, uh, but it's been, it's, it, it's just been unbelievable. And do you think the demand is by virtue of, I mean, obviously it's a little bit of everything most likely, but do you just think there's a lot of demand in supporting uh, companies in this ecosystem? Cause people are starting to realize that there's going to be a lot of big winners in this, or is it just by virtue of your name, you know, your respective reputations in the space and people, you know, trusting you to allocate capital properly? I, I think a little bit of both. Um, the, but, but I think there's a, a broadening awareness of how, 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 how we are at an inflection point on this, on this network and what that means to be able to actually do the exact same thing that is we're doing, right? Spending more of our time, more of our energy in the system we want to build hopeful one building the future and, and 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 as you're doing that a whole bunch more people are joining kind of okay i love this i'm i'm going to build it too I'm, and and they'll i think i think they'll do exceptionally well kind of from 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 making money in the system as they should going going early but I, but i think they're also thinking wow i get to put my money in capital in a place where it does it it builds the world i want to see yeah you can do well and good at the same time perhaps in the the best synth synthesis of those two things that there, there ever was pretty much um preston what are your thoughts on on all this uh, i'm excited uh to just be a part of the the process the very early stage uh process of, of finding talented leaders uh, in the space that are building things and that have a really good, uh, just kind of foresight as to the direction that things are moving and then being able to allocate capital into, um, into those efforts and to give those, those people the opportunity to be able to, to execute on that. So, uh, and I'm obviously very excited about the team that, that I'm working with. I mean, what an opportunity. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's one of those things where you just like pinch me that I'm I'm working with this team and and having the opportunity to to do something in a space that I just am beyond passionate about, like it's just very exciting. Do you guys ever think or allow yourselves to project out? You know, whether it's working, you know, in this sort of capacity, allocating capital, or even just you know what the experience of the conference might be like in in five to ten years time, and what this whole 
ecosystem will look like and what the world will look like. Do you guys ever project out and just think, man, like what's it going to be like at that time? Or is it, you know, one, one day, one quarter, one year at a time? For me, I'm loving it right now. I don't think it'll look the same in five years that, uh, that, that it'll be so broad. It'll be just a way of life and it's going to be moving, moving there. And I'm, and, and I love the people I've met in this time, last year, this year, people on the ground. I, I just, that's the piece. I'm going to look back on this uh, later in life and to go, wow, what a ride. That's, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and so it's just huge gratitude for being in the spot that we're, that we're all in. I add that uh, I, I uh, had a, I was lucky enough to have a call of take uh, They took one of my, you know, I was one of the first investor calls for uh, ego death. Uh, so I did get a zoom call with Andy and uh, Nico. They are off the charts, solid people. I have committed uh, to uh, make an investment uh, because I think that uh, the team is so solid and uh, I applaud the uh, vision that Preston and Lynn Alden and Jeff obviously have had to, uh, to bring this together. And the thing I like about it is, you know, they're not taking out all the money that's going to be thrown at them. Um, I hate to say it, but $50 million is not a lot of money in the asset management square. Uh, but they're disciplined in that they're going to keep the size small so they can get into deals. It, and just using my history a little bit, right, managing money. When you are in part of a huge fund, let's say you're a $100 billion fund. That's the size of Orlando Bravo's private equity fund, $100 billion. And let's say he might have 50, or let's say he has 25 analysts working for him, which means each analyst co- covers four probably four to 10 companies. They Well, okay. So let's just to make the math easy, they cover four companies, 25 analysts. Well, that means they cover a hundred companies. That means each investment has to be 1 billion. Like it, it, it doesn't exist in this ecosystem that we're at right now. And that's why it's disciplined of Jeff and, and Preston to say, yeah, we're going to cap it at this amount because they want to be able to invest I'm going to use numbers, 2 million on a 20 million valuation. Well, a $2 million investment doesn't move the needle if you're at a $100 billion fund. It just doesn't work, right? So so it's smart. But the most important thing is the character of the people that they're uh, they're, uh, supporting. And uh, it's part of the ecosystem. You could tell they, you know, in, in my conversations with them very quickly, yeah, they have the same desire to help. They are going to do very well, but more importantly, they want to do well as well, right? They want to do good for the world. And, uh, and, and so I embrace that. Um, and just to take it one step backwards, a year ago, I made a similar investment in my friends from our Ibex Mercado in, uh, in uh, uh, Guatemala, soon to be El Salvador, and uh, because Jack Mahler's on board at El Salvador, they all got in their cars and drove to El Salvador and opened their lightning merchant solution. Uh, as I said at the conference, they just onboarded the city of Miami. More importantly, and, and by the way, the GDP of the greater Miami area, as much as I love El Salvador, the GDP of the greater Miami area is probably 25 times the GDP of El Salvador, right? So putting things in, in perspective like that. Their booth 
on the floor was the biggest and best booth of the whole place. And that's in less than 350 days. They went from meeting me in a tent, uh, you know, uh, to actually having a booth and, and talking about all these lightning solutions they're doing. And that's exciting because, hey, they're changing the world for people that are truly unbanked, right? John, we talk about this. We're, we're North Americans. Like, we don't understand what it's like to live in countries that are far less privileged than we are. And these are guys that are making a difference in those countries. Yeah. Can I build on that? So one of the things, and it's tied to the allocation of capital, but starting businesses myself being kind of, it's a space I love betting on entrepreneurs. And it's not just a straight, it's not just a straight line. It's, there's a lot of dark days and being wealthy and understanding how to build a company from scratch to, 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 to create some real value and scaling challenges once you actually find a product market fit. These are very different challenges. And, and what I love, love about what we're doing there, but there's others as well. They're coming in and hopefully providing friendly capital and help to, to and opening up their networks to ensure that the, uh, they won't all be successful, but to give those entrepreneurs a, a way better chance of success because like Greg said before, I the number of mistakes I made first time around, um, they cost me a lot of money, um, and and you learn from them, and and so you 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 can coach entrepreneurs on what mistakes you made in scaling businesses. The scaling part is a real challenge. We were so early in um, in the Bitcoin ecosystem. It is going to be the piece that is going to be kind of make it or break it for these companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. A final question about uh, the new enterprise, but, and I think I asked you this when we were at the HRF thing in Miami, but was there a particular uh, place the name came from? I think many of, many people might be as, like familiar with the term ego death, whether if they're into meditation or psychedelics or philosophy and this kind of stuff, was it, was there a particular inspiration for you to use that term? Um, Nico came up with it or Nico's wife came up with it. Um, and we just fell in love with it. That uh, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was perfect. Nice. Um, before I move along, any other comments or anything on the conference or anything like that? Because I'm going to move into uh, what's currently happening in it. Perhaps I, a more I'll, make it, I'll, I'll take the chance then. I'll take the chance. Uh, yeah, rip, go uh, for it. Preston, uh, so I mentioned on stage, I'm involved in this uh, education platform that we launched. Uh, and made more public at the uh, at the uh, conference uh, called uh, LookingGlassEducation.com, uh, and this is basically free uh, education put together by uh, literally a global force. Uh, we have one Kiwi who's living in uh, Whistler, Canada. We have a, tr- a trauma surgeon from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. We have my friend James Lavish from. Uh, uh, Las Vegas ex-hedge fund manager. We have Max, who's uh, Safe Dean's uh, video guy. He's a German guy. who tra- He's a bit of a digital nomad. Uh, we have Daz Bea in Australia. And these guys are writing content. It's off the charts and impressive and free. And so Jason, uh, uh, Preston, I need uh, Jason, who is the MD from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, you met him at the conference, but as busy as you are, he sent both of us an email and he's been begging me, hey, Foss, get on 
Preston, he hasn't answered my email yet. He hasn't answered my email. We, he, so I'm, I'm calling you out right here, okay? Because this, on behalf of lookingglasseducation.com, and one of the things I'm extremely proud of, so I'm going to come back at you at, uh, privately. Uh, we're we're going to address that email. And I, I've honestly forgotten what it is. I love it. Okay. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, 10 million emails. Okay, so I'm coming back at you, bro. I'm coming, but here's-, here's It's in uh, there with the 16,310. Uh, one of the things I'm extremely proud of is that our Looking Glass Education has made a donation of uh, one Bitcoin to the school system in El Salvador. Okay, so uh, that one Bitcoin will be used to fund the school system and teach the kids in El Salvador uh, the, the, the Bitcoin process. You know, it's not going to be a deep dive per se, but it's going to get them comfortable with you know, the uh, platform that their president has, uh, has uh, endorsed. So look, um, you know, I've met these guys, these guys are giving their time like everyone for free to help educate the world. One of the kids is 26 years old. One of the kids is 29 years old. The trauma surgeon is old like me, but still motivated to do good. And then James Lavish and, uh, and Daz Bea, you know, they're, they're, a couple of years younger, but man, oh man, these guys are solid people that are doing uh, this to go. I want to uh, do a conversation with them. I would love to. Yeah, okay. Just, yeah. yeah I would love yeah. to do that. Yeah. Thank you, Preston. Thank you. Oh so. my God. That's yeah. It's just getting past the, the 16,000 emails. <laughs> I hear you. bro. And, and, and this is the beautiful thing. He puts people back together. Okay. That's his job. He's an engineer, a trauma surgeon. And, and by the way, he says stuff like, trauma is a social disease and when you think trauma okay obviously some of the wounds are self-inflicted or not self-inflicted but like gunshot wounds horrible things or doing stupid things like walking on a uh, on a stepladder and trying to impress your friends and then falling and breaking your femur or whatever it's a social disease he's trying to help that um but then he go he, he reached out to me and this is the, the impetus of this whole thing pressing you'd love it he goes i don't understand bonds and I need to understand bonds, boss. You don't understand. Mm-hmm. I need to yeah. understand boss, bonds. So I said, well, here, read my paper. And he goes into my paper and he goes, now I understand even less. He says, I need to write this for people that understand, you know, don't understand. So together we put together the, you know, we re- rewrote some articles, but yeah, we, I'm going to come back at you because I know that we can count on you to, you know, give oh, you yeah, we, picture or whatever. Yeah. So these guys are solid people. Um, and we do want to help the uh, the less privileged. That's what it comes right down to, right? I mean, you know, again, we are living in a bit of a protected bubble. Uh, and uh, it's really the people that are in these other countries that are going to benefit the most from uh, from the Bitcoin uh, ecosystem at the, at the beginning. Hopefully, our countries, our respective countries, get it together so we don't get left behind. Uh, but I joke tongue-in-cheek a little bit, I think uh, Canadians better start learning Spanish, right, John? If we don't uh, g- up our game, we're going to we, we're gonna need to learn Spanish to uh, to compete. So anyway, thanks, Preston, yeah, well, for that. I'm gonna- oh, yeah. That's a that's an awesome initiative, Foss. And yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on up in Canada. I'm not... Uh, well, yeah, well, it remains to be seen if, uh, if, if it can be turned around. I know Polyev is... is causing a stir up there and you know i know there's probably not an election on the horizon for a while but that's at least a ray of hope in that domain of things changing because there's certainly a lot of uh, insanity going up going on up there as far as i can tell we had two very powerful 
members of parliament in our office of validus power this past Friday. Uh, I won't, I will say one of them was not Pierre Poiliev, but one of them was equally as powerful as Pierre. And without saying who it was, because it doesn't matter, maybe they will uh, divulge. They are so interested in how Bitcoin can help Canada, particularly with our natural resource uh, uh, sector and, and, and how lucky we are to have this uh, natural resource, uh, the, our natural resource assets. So talking things like nuclear power and how can, you know, there's a nuclear power plant in Canada that actually pays Americans at some times of the day to take our power, not sells it to them cheaply. We actually pay them to take our power. Well, the MP is like, doesn't it make sense? We would mine Bitcoin with it instead of paying the Americans to take our power. These are the types of conversations that are happening. It gives me comfort that at least the ball is rolling. The thought yeah. process is rolling. Yeah, well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And there's, there are a lot of encouraging signs, particularly around, around Bitcoin. But let's, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, what's been going on this year a little bit there, Foss, a few minutes ago. And it, we're, we're off to a very interesting start to the year, economically speaking. And so uh, I'll save everyone my synopsis of the setup, because I'm sure most people listening are, are aware, but I'd love to get each of your respective, you know, opinions about what's going on, you know, we, and, and I think in the mix, I do think it's relevant that Twitter was just bought and is being taken private by Elon Musk for, you know, whatever, $44 billion. And how does that influence the political and regulatory landscape that's unfolding now? And how much is that pendulum swinging in which direction? You know, there's so many variables and they're all interconnected. So I'd love to hear the, the 10,000 foot view from, from you all. Preston, why don't you get it kicked off? Um, so for me, I'm looking, if I'll start with the currency market, um, because I think that's the thing that is kind of hitting these, these limits, if you will. Uh, the dollar right now on the DXY is at 103. Um, when we just kind of look at the spike and then the collapse that we kind of had during the COVID, uh, you know, shock to the system, the DXY hit 103 uh, during that. And uh, we saw a pretty big reversal after they had to step into the market and do all these, these uh, uh, debasement like things. So when, when you're looking at currency ranges that they typically operate within, once you start getting to those limitations, like I would say the DXY being at 103 is starting to, to demonstrate that things will probably start breaking because the dollar is getting so powerful relative to everything else. When I'm looking at the yuan, the Chinese yuan, it's having a major sell-off in the, in the past two weeks. Uh, the Japanese yen is in a total meltdown. And um, when, when you're looking at these limitations, I'm looking at the dollar, it's peaking out. You're looking at the yuan, it's, it's, it's hitting its lower limit, or not really on the, on the yuan, but on the uh, Japanese yen, it is. And here's the setup. So you're, you're already there at these limitations. And so what you would expect is for a reversal and for a correction and for the Fed to step in and ease. But what we're, what we're seeing and what we're hearing is that it's going to be the exact opposite and that they're going to raise 50 or 75 basis points. You know, I'm, I'm 
maybe in between those two, I don't know. But regardless, that is only going to make the dollar that much stronger if they're going to step in with that type of uh, action, especially in the face of the Japanese yen is, is selling off relative to all the other currencies in the world. And their future action is more yield curve control, which is disastrous for a currency. Disastrous. Didn't so, they guarantee which, to buy all issuance? Uh, for, for bond, yeah. The, the, so they're pegging, what is it, Greg, 25 basis points? Anything that goes above 25 the basis BOJ, points, they're yeah. a buyer. They yeah. would say they would buy unlimited amounts of tenure. So, so for a person who's hearing this, what the, the reason that I think it's just so important is you're already at the maxes of where these things would normally start breaking things in the, in the global economy. And the messaging out of both, or not just those two, but the US, the Euro, the Yen, and the Yuan, if you're looking at those major currencies, every one of them is suggesting that the path forward is to break them even more than where they're already at, like aggressively. And what you got to understand is if, if one is loosening while the other one's tightening, that's almost like double the, the force on, on the spread between the, the currency spread. And so I, I'd like to start there because uh, everything else is constructed on top of that, your fixed income market, your, your uh, equity uh, premiums and everything. So if you look at it from that perspective and you start there, I'm, I'm looking at this and saying, I don't know how we can go another quarter without something literally just breaking very badly somewhere in the world. And, and if I was going to just say one more thing about that. So when I'm looking at the yuan, which is just starting the Chinese yuan, that's starting to make a pretty big move, a, a pretty big sell-off. And you look at their actions over there with this zero COVID policy and them shutting down cities that are, how, how, how much bigger is Shanghai than like New York city, like three X or something. Yeah. Shanghai is like 28 million. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's significantly bigger than New York city. So for just context for people in the States that might be listening to this, like we're not talking about like some small town where they've got the zero COVID policy from the articles and things that people send me. It seems like they have some infighting within the CCP between Beijing and Shanghai. You've got people that can't tell Xi Jinping that, uh, that the emperor has no clothes with this policy. Um, it is, and so, and, and I'm saying all that because if you're going to shut down an entire city of that size, it's going to cost you. It's yeah. going to cost you in the terms of, of devaluing the currency even stronger than the, than here, I got the chart in front of me. Let me do a quick measurement here. It's down, the currency's down 4% so far, which for a currency is a lot um, against the dollar specifically. Um, and I, I would tell you, I think it has another four to eight percent to move from here based on the the policies and the actions that they're making at a minimum. So like the, these are these are pressures that are happening on a global front that that just spell disaster hmm. uh for policymakers that they are gonna have that the Fed specifically is going to have to reverse course on this tightening thing that they're messaging. And they're gonna have to reverse course at a magnitude that I don't think the world can even comprehend right now. Yeah, connect that just to the other part. So that means lower priced goods, lower labor rate in the input in 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 their exports, and higher labor rate in in, in the U.S. If the U.S. dollar is stronger, as the same thing is is 
it's kind of hollowing out industry in the in the U.S. So that fight for jobs and that fight that geopolitical on top of that, you can imagine what's happening. Forget just even what we just talked about as far as this this breaks badly. Um, but there, there there's all the knock on effects all over the world. Yeah, and and you know Shanghai also the world's largest container port. You know, in 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 an inflationary environment. You know, what kind of effects does that have and what kind of shortages will that instill and what kind of pressures will that put on things? And, you know, the, the, I, I hear your point, Preston, but I'm just, I get the sense they're not going to reverse course easily. Like, I feel like they're going to let some carnage happen first because they can't they need ease. to, they, yeah. they need to. Yeah. So the. What happens, guys, is as Preston was laying, like the U.S. It is the best crack <laughs> yes. house on a crack street, right? Like, I mean, all <laughs> fiats have the same problems. They're all melting ice cubes. So it's just a relative race to the bottom. But emerging markets get crushed when the U.S. dollar strengthens. I mean, that's look through history. You'll see every single time. So the Fed is beholden to what's going to happen in third world uh, trading partners okay the economies weaken and uh, their global trading partners weaken that filters back to the usa um the big thing that i see happening is policy makers who are trying to jawbone inflation down rather than actually acting on it because i agree with preston i don't think they're going to be able to do it you know, 75 basis points doesn't do it. They need to raise by 4%. Okay, let's be honest. Where was the 10-year yield the last time inflation was 8.5%? The 10-year yield was over 10%, okay, as it should be. So even 4% doesn't get them to where they need to be. But 4% breaks everything. It breaks the US dollar debt spiral because they can't afford the interest coupon on the accumulated debt that they've uh, that they've racked up they won't be able to do it guys yield curve control is coming which means inflation will run hotter for longer which means currency debasement will continue which means bonds in my opinion which incidentally had the first time in history that the long bond index was down greater than five percent in the same quarter that the NASDAQ was down greater than 5%. Usually there's a dampening, right, Preston? They call it risk parity. When, when stocks sell off, people run to the safety of bonds, push up the prices of bonds, yields come down. But when yields are at, at artificially low levels to begin with, they don't come down anymore. And both assets selling off effectively meant the 60-40 portfolio is done. It doesn't generate the returns that the pension funds need to meet their hurdle rates of 8% annualized or in order for the actuaries to say, yes, this pension fund is fully funded. Wait until Biden starts getting calls from uh, the pension benefit uh, board in the United States saying, uh, Mr. Biden, a lot of these pension funds are no longer funded, fully funded because equities are down and bonds are down in lockstep. Oh boy, that's going to cause some pressure on the Fed or people to, you know, make calls to the Fed. So I think it's, uh, I, I'm in the same camp as Preston. Essentially, how do I summarize it? QE infinity in the United States, mimicked by QE infinity in all other fiat nations because it's a race to the bottom, means 
What does it mean, gentlemen? It means you need the best store of value ever created, hence Bitcoin, hence all the stuff we talk about. Yeah, and 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 just carrying on that, this has been, I, I remember over, Preston, you and I talked about this probably in the first interview. Like this has been, uh, uh, I remember Lynn talking with uh, Lynn and I asked Lynn a question, if I was at the Fed and I wanted to, uh, so kind of, if, our, if, if every financial decision everywhere is when will pr people print, if that's, you don't live in any sort of market condition that is a free market condition. Every single thing is, is, is a bet because if they don't print, we all know what happens. Um, you, uh, the, the U.S. cash that you have underneath your mattress is the only thing that's valuable because when you go to the bank and you think, oh, I'm going to get my money out of the bank, the bank's closed <laughs> because that unwind of epic proportions just keeps on unwinding. So so we know, and, and so if we're walking into helicopter blades right now on both fronts. On one, fr on, 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 on one front, if they if they tighten, um, if if interest rates go up at some sort of point, this and I think I tend to agree with uh, Preston there. In the next quarter, you're going to see a rolling over, and 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 the job losses are going to accelerate through the economy is going to be disastrous, and and they'll be forced into massive e massive easing in, into this. But this is this is now. Every single nation is fighting the same thing at the same yeah. time, and so you don't know where this is coming from. It could, it, uh, it, but it's coming for sure. Um, I could, you can't pick the day it's coming, but it's coming for sure. And there has to be yield curve control. Um, there has to be infinite easing. John, you you brought up a point that uh, they need to, you know, they got to let some pressure out of the system by by hiking and, and doing some of these things. They got to let the market sell off. The challenge that they're up against is the uh, the impairment totally. that's going to happen in in the in the market as they do this. Once it starts getting beyond a twenty five percent sell off, you go from things happening quickly to ludicrous speed, and so they are in this this quandary of we've got to let some we got to let the impairment happen, but if we let it happen a little too much we might find ourselves in such a desperate situation that we have to throw, we have to basically do a COVID uh, liquidity insertion um, to just put life back in the patient. It's almost like you got the shock panels and you're, and you're trying to bring the patient back to life at that point because they've let it sell off too much. And so they're in this really like just hairy situation where um, when I'm looking at the, the backdrop here is, if the Fed stepped in and started to ease right now, okay, which I think you could make the case for based on just where the currency, the, the spreads between the currencies are at and how likely it is that something's about to break, that you could make the argument that they probably shouldn't even be tightening right now, okay? And if that was true, what, what would the cause, because as soon as that would happen, the dollar would start to, would start to fall if they made that announcement. And you know what happens to every other currency in the world? It starts to bid because it's bidding against the dollar. Okay. And that's the last thing that they can handle right now is their currency getting bid. Um, so you, you're in this strange dynamic where now that the first candidate has stepped forward and says, well, 
this is a race of who can cheat the best. And Japan is, has, has, has basically said, all right, we are just going to full out cheat. We're not even going to act like we're cheating anymore. We're just completely cheating. And we're going to let the whole world know we're cheating at this point. And that's your yield curve control. So I think the question is, is who's next that's in this, this, this hundred meter dash, this global hundred meter dash to just the base who's next. That's going to say, you know what, guys, we're cheating too. We're going to be doing the same thing as those guys over there who are just, they literally put on rocket skates and we're going to put on our rocket skates too. And we're going to put on yield curve control. And I think it's like this domino event where, and I don't know the timing of this. I don't know how long it's going to take for that to play out. Do we go through another deflationary fit and a re, you know, uh, where we, or it goes back up and maybe that we get to that in the, in the EU, um, three years from now, I don't know. Um, but I do know the race is starting to get, um, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, overt. It's becoming very overt that you just have to cheat at this point. Like everybody's just got to cheat. They got to do yield curve control. Preston, the, uh, the term that's, uh, I love that was coined by, uh, Rick Santelli, who's the commentator on CNBC. One of the few commentators that I actually believe has some experience. Uh, he calls it beggar thy neighbor. That's the, you know, you, you debase your currency so that your exports get cheaper in the face of someone yeah. else keeping their currency at, at a higher level. Jeff made mention of that. So that's called beggar thy neighbor. The funny thing is, and I need to stress this, we've only raised once, okay? It's not like we have a lot of room to play. We can ease. Nice. We've only raised once for and, sakes. And I mean, it was 25 basis it was, points. Oh my God, and, and the and world's the, going into recession. Okay. Yes. Here's, here's the key. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Jeff. But I yeah, want no, to say just, one thing. Just inflation compounds. Okay. Eight and a half percent inflation may go down to six and a half, may go down to two and a half, but cumulatively over those three years, you're, you've lost the plot, especially yeah. if you're not going to raise rates to fight that. So I don't see the way out. It is only QE infinity is the only way out. Yeah. And, 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 and this just takes me back all the way to the book, right? They, they, you could project the world we were going to live in because it was exponential on one function technology and it had to be exponential on the other. Now, if you remove some of that liquidity and you, and, and it just falls all the way back down. Yes, um, and, and so it has to have more and more printing forever it is it's always been qe infinity um it, it just people didn't know what it was and they're starting to open up their eyes and, and realize huh the entire system of the world the entire you if we don't have a neutral reserve asset in the uh, in, in 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 the world then every nation is going to cheat and, and um, as with yield curve control and the constant uh, printing of, of money. And, it, and when you have that happen, all trust breaks down between people all over the world and you typically go to war to, to reset it. Um, that, that is the dark part of where we are right now. The, the amount of people are gonna be hurt no matter what on this that aren't in Bitcoin, that aren't moving, moving forward. We build a business, try and get capital right now, right? And you think, okay, my business is doing great, and now the window just closed, right? Um, or uh, if you're not, if you're not in the right spot. On the other side, have savings that are getting going to be completely wiped out 
be be uh, be a pension fund that is in, sit, sitting in there and uh, and there is no fix from the existing system and people are still pretending there's a fix from the existing system yeah and i i suspect that that that's part of the reason why a lot of these billionaires and large capital allocators have really taken notice over the last year or so because i think a lot of people perhaps have come to the realization that the risk now is very much and it seems very clearly to be systemic and that just conjures up in your mind, oh, well, what's my answer to systemic risk? And perhaps they, you know, many of them hadn't considered that before. And I think a lot of them are winding up on the answer of that is Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, I, so much of this is, it's so multifaceted. You know, I think we live in a world today where almost everything is, is an extension of monetary policy. And by that, I mean, like, I think, you know, the, the institutions, the powers that be, all that kind of stuff, like, we can't really separate in terms of the reality of how they operate government policies and monetary policy, because you know, they're, they're obviously in bed together and they're obviously confronted with an extremely unique circumstance. And I'm sure they're sitting around together being like, let's put our heads together. And, and again, Jeff, as you often point out, like perhaps with altruistic intentions, you know, and I think that's disputable in some cases, but let's just assume that, okay, we, you know, we put our heads together and what can we collectively do to, you know, rub each other's backs, you know, achieve the ends that we all want. And so, and, but unfortunately in this, in the type of structure and system that we have today, that generally means that things get imposed on people that may not want them to be imposed on them because that's how the system achieves its ends. That, that's how it maneuvers it or massages it in certain directions. And I think over the last year or, or even longer, maybe that's become more apparent. You know, of course I don't have any proof for this but i think if you if you attack it logically maybe it, it's not such a, a stretch but preston i wanted to ask you like when you say looking at the currency disparity and we talk about something's going to break soon what do you think is most likely to break and then as a second question on that i mean I, and i think maybe we all kind of get the end game right a bunch of messiness in between bitcoin you know emerges as the victor in the end but these conversations are interesting to have so that we can sharpen our own way of articulating them and explain to them to others and, and, and make the case for Bitcoin. And when we're talking about like the, the rates and, and, you know, hiking rates versus letting inflation run hot. I mean, if they, they, they bump up against that ceiling of raising and, and it's just too destructive, but we still have high inflation. I mean, would not easing into that sort of environment just create a tremendous amount of social chaos and, and degradation? And would, is that not also a, a risk that they would be considering? So like, how do you think they make there, the trade-off between the two? Their trade-off there though, is if they don't peg the yields on fixed income, you're, you are guaranteeing yourself that you're stepping into a deflationary spiral at that point. So they're going to, they're going to, peg the yields to try to delay the inevitable. And you're not going to get much time. Uh, I guess I'm saying this when the U S eventually gets to yield curve control, because they're going to be, in my opinion, they're going to be the last ones to arrive at yield curve control when they get there. Um, I mean, I'm curious whether Jeff uh, or Greg would agree with this, but I think you're in a three-year window at that point, as soon as they start doing yield curve control. I, I don't know how you're going to not manifest that printing into the into the economy 
I mean, look at how fast of a reflation, inflationary, hyperinflationary situation we had with assets with, with this last COVID round. I'm telling you, when you do yield curve control, you're, you're doing that and more uh, with how much liquidity you're dropping into the market because everyone and their kid sister is basically showing up with a bond in their hand in order to sell it. Um, so, I agree, I agree with that. They, and they have yeah. to. Um, it, it, it's, as Greg says all the time, it's just math where we are in this. Uh, they, they, it, it, 20% of the S&P, I think that this number, even over 20%, it, at previous interest rates can't pay the pay, can't pay their uh, can't pay the carry on on their debt. So uh, what percentage? At twenty percent, twenty percent of their companies. So what happens to all of the employees when interest rates go up, and those and those debts default, and the companies default? And so it, when when you when you're at this time in a market, you don't have as much flexibility. And the whole thing, it, it, when, when these things can turn over, they can turn over extraordinarily fast. And when you think about that company, that is all of the employees in that company and they're paying another company for that, it just cascades through the economy at, at a crazy rate. That's what, and, and so those policy mistakes, policy mistakes kind of pick up something you said before, um, always always throughout history a central bank loses independence to the state because we demand it mm. right because humans say what are you doing what are the politicians is are, are they 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 it it becomes a political machine and it has to become a political machine because we all demand it because otherwise the, the ensuing chaos um, is too hard to, uh, for society to bear. And both sides of that equation, that's why they're trapped, right? One side, you let a deflationary spiral happen and it, it happens all over the world. It lightning fast and every asset resets. I'm pretty sure that that's not going to happen. The other side is you QE to infinity all over the world, yield curve control all over the world, and there is no free market. John, I would, I would oh, describe it. I'm sorry. Uh, great. I would describe when you have yield curve control in the U.S., once that decision's made and it's very clear that they're, they're pegging the yields across the duration of, of the yield curve, I think that's truly your event horizon moment. Um, there's no coming back at that point because what that represents is the supply chains, the, uh, the unit of account has been so mutilated that your inflation prints that are a breakdown in, in uh, logistics of just a normally functioning global body is so jacked that uh, we have to manipulate the, the cost of money permanently, not here and there like they have been doing with QE, but now we have to do it permanently because if we allow it to, to even even for a second, make a run at the, inf at the inflation number that, that is made up, right? The, the made up inflation number, um, the, the entire global economy will melt down because nobody can afford those, those interest rates any longer. And so that's really kind of your, I would describe as like the no brainer event horizon. You're going through this thing and we are going to go through a global debt jubilee at that point. And it particularly the USA can't afford its own debt, the government of the US, okay? But 
here's the, the thing that, again, the USA will be the last fiat to fail. They'll also be the last one to, in, to try and implement yield curve control. We're going to see some test cases taking place in other G20 nations, which we're already seeing. Um, so I'm not quite as, uh, as I, I don't see the end quite as quickly as, as perhaps Preston in that I think it could be, and I'm, you know, I've said this, I, I'll go on record as saying, I think Canada fails, Canada currency fails 10 years before the USA currency fails, which means Canada hasn't failed yet. So I think the USA has 10 more years from now. I could be wrong, but the point is, Again, it's a global race to the bottom. The U.S. dollar cannot be uh, the strongest dollar because emerging markets get crushed and emerging markets include the perennial serial defaulter of Argentina, which is a G20 nation. It includes Turkey, which is a G11 nation. When you start seeing these countries fail, the writing's on the wall. So then it'll come down to the euro and it'll come down to the U.S. dollar and who, who fails between those first we have time guys that's why i think and but every single cycle accelerates so maybe i'm wrong in that the next one is the big one and that goes kaboom and the cycle as we saw in covid the it's just what way more severe the drop is more severe and then the recovery is more more sharp compared to the great financial crisis 10 years earlier what i will say is this and this is really important we don't want it to happen, right? I don't think there's a person on this panel that wants it to happen. There are definitely some Bitcoiners that, that seem to relish that, but we need to get the parallel system in place so that when it happens, because it's inevitable, it will happen. We just don't know when. We need that parallel system in place so that the network can function with the Bitcoin standard. One thing just on a, on a Canada, um, uh, and no, Greg, I, I think it actually has longer to play um, because because of the natural resources. Okay. Because 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 when you're when you're printing money at the rate that other countries have to have to print, the natural resources just respond and they move up and, and lockstep. Yeah, maybe I've been just I've been getting <clears throat> I've been uh, listening to our fearless leader so so yeah often and, and, I, and I can you know that- i can totally disagree with the policy uh, policy what it does all over the world but i can also right. I, I i i i don't i want- hope you're right i yeah. hope you're right look as a proud canadian i hope you're right i, I <laughs> everybody needs to understand i do not want this to happen to canada this is why sometimes i'm so vocal about not uh you know about standing up against the lack of mathematics that, that go into some of these policy decisions but Let's be honest still, Jeff, the USA is not good. Canada will not survive longer than the USA. There's no, very, I, there's I agree, no I agree, scenario I agree, that I can I see. I agree with that. It's just what ends up happening. Yeah, right fair now, enough. Okay. People are looking all over the world and and effectively oil and, and natural resources yeah. are saying, my natural resources are worth more than your printed good, money. Good point. Good um, point. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. You know, it, it's just it's such a perverse situation that we find ourselves in. We're like global capital. The pricing of global capital is just screaming, trying to say, hey, there's not as much of me as you think. And I think the future is way riskier than you're allowing me to signal. And you have a coordinated global effort of manipulating that signal down to try to say, no, 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 no. Don't worry. It's not so bad. There's lots of money and everything's going to be rosy in the future. 
I mean, that's basically, you know, what the interest rate is trying to communicate. And all of our actions every day and the cost of capital and all that is feeding into that signal. And it's just being hammered down, you know, and right now, this little slice of time of last few months, even despite all of that, it's still, it's still trying to poke its head up. Right. And it's just going to be hammered down again. And we're going to look back on this and be, you know, people, you know, eighth grade economics classes are going to look at this case study and be like, how fucking stupid were they? I mean, how, isn't it obvious that if you just destroy the price signal like this, if you just destroy and misallocate capital in order to keep some facade going, that it's going to end in absolute disaster? Were these people retarded? And the answer will be, yeah, a lot of them, you know, the, the people in four charge. Four-year policies, were, John, four-year yeah. policies. They're trying to live in four-year terms when this takes a 20-year or a 40-year even uh, mandate to, to reverse these. It's just kicking the can down the road. We could have solved it. We easily could have solved it after the Latin American debt crisis. We could have solved it less easily after long-term capital management. The great financial crisis was where we tipped, but you had to solve it there because the world was ending. There was a window of opportunity after the great financial crisis to bring in austerity, to pay down the debts that had been transferred from the financial system to the governments because the governments were the only ones that were able to buffer the, the, the decay in the system. And every time they tried to do it, temper or taper tantrum, right? Taper tantrum. And I'm not going to get elected if the stock market's not doing well, you know? And so these are the four-year terms that are bumping up against 20-year cycles. And uh, Mark Moss has a pretty good one where he, he, he compares 200-year cycle, 50-year cycle, 20-year cycles are all converging at this point in time right now. And Look, uh, there is no mathematical way out except for debasing the debt and, uh, you know, uh, pretending that a dollar is something still worth a dollar. I mean, we know it's not. And that's why you have to get uh, your, your insurance. I just hope that we have enough guys that are even the, the, the eco death capital uh, uh, ecosystem that they're trying to develop will help to get this network set up that we have this buffer um, cause I'm worried that the next big one is the last big one. Cause people are just going to say, okay, I see how this ends. We're just kicking the can again. I'm not accepting your dollars. They don't work anymore. And once that happens, there's no going back. You're throwing your dollars into the street like Venezuela does. So Greg, why I wrote specifically, I couldn't go down the, as deep as I wanted to in that book because you had to keep it at a certain level. But why I wrote the chapter, us versus them, it's really predictable what happens to society. And us, it, it, John just said it, everything is a function of this monetary system. And, and when you, we, it's easy, when, when we can't eat or our bank gets closed, um, or, or we will rise up and we will believe what any, whatever somebody tells us to do to another human being whether that's another country, we will want to believe it's another country, it's in our country, it's those other people. And it's a total natural kind of, if you go through history, when you these reset, they, they reset in a really painful way. So, so that's actually that piece, not just ego death, but the entire ecosystem, all of the people in this ecosystem, they're building that transition path that, that, and just play these scenarios out. Just, hold the line, we're gonna actually have a free market, we're not printing money anymore. 
and it's a complete reset of every asset, everything is, and that, and, and so just play that out. You better have some peer to peer money, Mm. (laughs) right? Because it's the only thing that will, it will save you. And there's an entire growing number of people that you can trade with all over the world. Um, if that played out other scenario, massive inflation, massive yield curve control, all of this rich, get richer, poor, get poorer, um, poor rise up, um, all over the world. And they're, and, and you change a political system to give them more power to go attack the rich first in their own countries. Um, and, and then you, once you have power, you need to make somebody else, uh, um, a villain and so that spreads all over the world you can start to see you can see the signposts everywhere mm-hmm. um and and it's fooling a lot of people it's fooling people in bitcoin because it's so easy to believe that narrative um and when people are when people are um when 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 people haven't done the work that you guys have in this uh, in in this and they can't eat um they want to believe any narrative or if somebody says, I'm going to give you more money, it's that person's fault. They'll believe that narrative. Um, or it's Russia's fault, or it's all of this, or, or it's the, 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 and you can see the fracturing of society all over the world. That's the, 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 the truth is, if I, if I see where we're going, and, and this is, these, these cycles have always been deflationary, but we had to have a credit-based system to handle the velocity of money on top of that. And that credit-based system is subject to manipulation because nobody wants to slow it down, right? And so the change in Bitcoin is it moves away. You handle velocity of money through uh, unlimited velocity of money through peer-to-peer network without the credit-based system that is subject to human abuse. Um, And it's early. Um, but that, but if if that ecosystem builds fast enough, it provides that transition path that you're talking about. From from and and the people that are early on it feel like we did at the conference. It feels hopeful. It feels fantastic. But we gotta. We also have to admit that a whole bunch of the world doesn't know that yet, mm. and they are going to be manipulated by this system that's going to get worse and worse and worse. And we have to we have to talk in a way to be able to or <laughs> advance this cause fast enough to avoid what's coming in this other system. Because we've also never been at a point in our technological weapons that we could destroy on on the back of a change like this, a phase transition like this, that we could easily destroy the planet. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why I just naturally, my attention goes towards the character development that's occurring here, because for two reasons, one, the character that's going to be required and the changes that are going to be required in and of people to um, see themselves and see their family and see their communities and see as many others as, as is possible through such a challenging time. But then on the back end of that, I mean, to your point about when everything gets repriced, right? When real estate and equities and everything gets repriced in a different system, you know, people that were early to Bitcoin, if, if all this plays out the way that we are uh, anticipating, perhaps, are probably going to be extremely wealthy. And, 
you know, what are those people going to do with their capital and what type of people are they going to be? And, you know, early signs are very encouraging, but, you know, as we've been, you know, talking about in the conference and stuff, but I think those are very important considerations and discussions to have, you know, because those dramatically different environments that we're all going to be tasked to operate within are going to change us because our environments have a massive influence on who we are and the, the choices available to us and how we act. And a lot of that's going to be uncomfortable because I think they're going to be fairly unprecedented environments where not very many people have, uh, you know, the, certainly the experience and many people don't have pre-existing the means to see themselves through it. So there's going to be this, you know, somewhat forged like transformational process where people have to rise, you know, I hate to be super cliche and corny here, but rise to some latent potential in order to get through that as best as possible with as many people as possible. But I mean, it's as we've been discussing here and as we often discuss, I mean, we're on, it's such, such unprecedented times that we're, where a lot of things are coming to a head. And, um, you know, it, it's been fun to sit on the sidelines for the last five, six, seven, eight, however long we've all been here and kind of like, ha ha, how obvious the problems are and, you know, just watch number go up and it's all great. And don't get me wrong. I love that. But it feels like over the last 18 months, 24 months, I think it's been sobering for a lot of people to say like, oh, this is becoming super real. And how should we, how should we act now that that's the case? I, I just think you need tons of humility and um, empathy for the dislocation that's about to happen because there's going to be a lot of dislocation. And um, yeah, uh, based on what I've seen at these conferences, uh, thank the good Lord that uh, a lot of this buying power is being uh, stuffed into the hands of the people that I've met. Yeah. Um, gives me a whole lot of hope. hundred percent. Last, um, last question. And then I'll throw it over to you guys for any closing remarks, but and, you know, uh, Eric Kaysen, a good friend of mine, we were uh, doing one of our hodl hangs with American Hodl and, and Rob Breedlove the other day. And he reflected that, you know, he, he was at the conference for five or six days and a million conversations and all that stuff. And he had not once talked about or been asked about the price. And then we were all like, oh, yeah, me, me neither. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't remember ever talking about the price. And, it, you know, that just speaks to what's really going on there and how awesome it is. And, and I hate talking about price and I rarely ever do, but I, I am curious based on this circumstance that we've been discussing. And maybe this is relevant for people that are just kind of entering the space. Not that I don't think it matters too much in terms of how you're going to approach your acquisition strategy, let's say. But do you think the circumstances that are currently unfolding would precipitate a, you know, a grinding down of Bitcoin before a dramatic move up? Is that consensus or what do you guys feel about, about the opportunities that may lie ahead for dry powder in the next three to six months? I, I'll, I think I'll, it depends. No, go ahead. You go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I'll just start. I mean, you know, you know, you guys know that I've been preaching the, the uh, thesis that being long Bitcoin is being short credit and therefore it is a, uh, an insurance policy. Therefore it is a long volatility uh, asset, which prior to this, the only true other long volatility assets besides being along a put option was 
owning U.S. Treasury bonds, meaning when vol increases, people, the equity markets are, are going down, the VIX is going up, people run to the U.S. Treasury bond as you're buffering. Uh, so that's my thesis. It clearly hasn't sunk in yet, although there are signs at times that uh, that Bitcoin goes up as a uh, as a flight to you know a diversifying asset. But in my opinion, if if in the next three uh, even three years, that's a huge sell off in all risk assets will lead to a crashing of the price of Bitcoin because. Liquidity is just that, right? You can, you don't always sell what you want to. You sell what you can. When you're being redeemed, you have to sell something. Your clients are demanding cash because you're, uh, you know, you're getting redeemed. So having worked at a hedge fund, the, the worst feeling ever is when the margin clerk comes over and says to you, Foss, uh, we need to raise 20 million bucks by 4 p.m. And you're like, God damn it. There's no bid for anything. Well, sometimes you have to sell the thing that is actually bid, which is something of value, which could be Bitcoin. And even though the bid is dropping, there's still a bid. Whereas other things you could sell into the air. There's zero bid. Like I want to sell these bonds. Oh, good for you. So does the rest of the world. So, you know, yeah, probably. Although my, again, I'll, I'll, I'll focus on that report by Fidelity the digital asset report that basically said there's Bitcoin and then there's shit points, but really the long volatility aspects of Bitcoin as a shock absorber is defund. It depends how soon the big money managers embrace that thesis. Uh, so my hope is that uh, that comes quicker. And that means that the down pressure is actually met with buying but you got to sell something to buy it, right? These guys are typically not sitting on tons of cash. They are fully invested in equities, fully invested in bonds. If there's no bid for those other things, they can't turn around and buy Bitcoin on the other side. Um, I'll summarize it with this. And, uh, you know, it is a horrible job sitting in that chair when a liquidity unwind takes place. So, I think the Fed does what they always do. They jam a ton of liquidity back into the system, which Preston and Jeff, I think will agree with, which means the debasement of the currency accelerates, which means people finally get that they have to own a store of value. And it's an education process, guys. Like the big money, once the big money gets it, I don't care. The plebs think that their big money doesn't have to come in. I'm afraid if you actually want the price to go to where people think it, is going to go the big money does have to come in okay and forty thousand for whoever cares is still a rounding error i'm not smart enough to tell you whether it's not it's going to go through twenty thousand before it goes to two million i don't care i just hope we have that chance that it will be the buffering mechanism so that we come out the other side of this nightmare that we are probably going into from a risk asset basis I can't even think about it, it priced in U.S. dollars. Anymore. There you go. <laughs> and, 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 and I think that it's just such a mindset from the existing system. And even if you just connect what Greg just uh, said um, in different language, what he's actually saying is every other asset would fall faster than Bitcoin. And so it actually doesn't matter the relative, it's going to take all of the monetary energy of, of the existing system over time and, and divide everything by 21 million is, is what it's going to do.
that um and and how it does that whether prices fall everywhere or prices rise and bitcoin rises faster that's what we're talking about i can hear everybody listening being like whoop 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 (laughs) in response to that uh that response preston yeah, I was just going to say for for people that are sensitive to the price and it impacts just their emotions, I would uh, the way you can control your emotions and uh, you know get past that is just through knowledge. So the way I would describe it for them to try to understand it is the dollar is extremely powerful. You're dealing with something that has just an enormous market cap relative to everything else. And not just the dollar, but the euro, the yen, the, the large major fiat currencies, if you add them all up and you look at, at what those represent relative to everything in, on the planet, they're a very powerful force. So, and, and when you, if I was going to dissect that fiat currency system, all of them added together, the thing you got to understand is the actual monetary units, the baseline units are a pittance and the credit that then is constructed on top of it is massive. And that credit expands and contracts. And so when you're looking at it, let's just say that there's 10 of the monetary baseline units here, and then you have 100 units of credit constructed on top of it for a total number of units of 110, those 100 are contracting and expanding, contracting and expanding. And if you're using those units to to, uh, measure the value of everything else on the planet, whether it's equities, commodities, whatever, um, the thing you got to understand is when it starts to contract, when that credit starts to become impaired and starts to contract, what it's doing is it's just removing those units from the system. Everyone talks about Bitcoin having 21 million units. There's 19 million in circulation right now. That is, that is, uh, I can verify it on my node. Everybody else can verify it on their node. If you were going to do that with the dollar and the Euro and the yen and the yuan you would have no clue what the actual number is. Okay. But let's just say we could do that. Okay. What you would find is that number is, is like an accordion and it's growing and it's contracting. Okay. And so when you're looking at the price of Bitcoin, which is a pittance um, under a trillion in market cap relative to a thing that I would say is a quadrillion (laughs) in comparison, um, as that quadrillion is contracting, which is where I think we're, we're right on the cusp of maybe throwing a deflationary fit. Everything is, is very inflationary right now, extremely inflationary. But that has limitations as the price goes up, the, the demand for people, their capacity to spend go, starts going back. And there's this, uh, there's this symbiotic relationship with the way that people spend and the way that this credit is added into the system. And so as that system kind of like starts stalling out, I would describe it as stalling out right now and maybe starting to uh, compress back. Um, if that starts to play out, everything, everything on the planet that you're comparing all those fiat units to contracts, especially if, and this is to Greg's point that he was making, especially if the people that own Bitcoin have other positions in the rest of the economy. Okay. Because if only Bitcoiners, if, if everybody in Bitcoin just owned Bitcoin, okay, I don't think you'd see the price move too much. But the fact of the matter is, is there's a whole lot of people out there that own 10% of their portfolio in Bitcoin and 90% of it's in stocks or whatever else. And as that blows up, like Greg's saying, especially if they're levered, 
and people were incentivized to be levered when they could borrow it, you know, a year and a half ago at nothing percent. Um, they're highly incentivized in order to, to have all this counterparty risk inside their portfolio that they have to adjudicate by selling their winners. And so all of those things are the pressures that um, are going to potentially, and I don't, I don't, I'm not even convinced that, that um, that would happen. Um, when I look at the amount of long-term holders of Bitcoin, like that ratio that people keep posting the chart on, like it is sky high, the highest it's ever been right now. So maybe the, the, the price is going to be very subdued compared to maybe like a March of, of 2020 type event where we had a, a very sizable sell-off. Now you might still have a little bit of a sell-off if the rest of the broader market really gets into a deflationary fit, which could happen. So I say all that not to pontificate, but to, to try to help educate people to control their emotions and focus on what's important. What's important is the fundamentals of what's being built here. The rails, the fact that you got um, all of these vendors now, the fact that you got uh, Fidelity opening this up into retirement savings accounts, like all of these things are additional paths and rails to a system that is being constructed to literally take on an explosive charge the size of the universe itself. Um, that's, that's what this thing is, is being built for is, is a, uh, singularity explosion of the universe of the economic universe that, that it is constructed, ready to dampen and, and receive that, that blow. So I'm, I'm insanely bullish, obviously, um, because of, of the engineering and the fundamentals of all of that engineering that's happening in the background. Um, and then I'm just looking at, at the disaster of fiat that it's being compared to. And I'm saying, oh, that makes sense that it's down whatever, or it's up, you know, 3X the S&P 500. It just makes sense when you look at the, the sizes of these things that you're comparing and how, much, how amorphous they are. And uh, yeah, I would just describe it that way. I think that was extremely well said. I love that question. Um, gents. I appreciate the time as always. It was so good to see you guys and, and hang out a bit in Miami. And I'm always grateful for the time to, to chat on these things. So any last words before we shut it down tonight? You going to the Mark Moss event or? No, I'm uh, it's hard to get me out of the house. I, I, <laughs> I go, I go to Miami, but I'm a, uh, I'm a homebody. So I'm not, we're a lot of like, John. <laughs> we're a lot of like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah it was great, my, great, yeah. great seeing you too. It's just uh, need to do it more often. It was awesome. Yeah, I have a, I have closing remark. Uh, I love you, psychopaths. Press <laughs> 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 so, uh, and say it. He's insanely bullish. I'm just insane, and I love you, psychopaths. Okay, so well, we we love you too, me, Foss, and I thanks love all you guys, me. and I uh, I look forward to the the time we get to do this um, again in the future, whether it's whether we get the homebodies out of the house for a get together or, you know, another one of these, uh, when circumstances change, I look forward to it. Thank you so much, guys. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks All right, guys. Jens, take care. Thanks again.